I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Chris, and I'm here to help with the aid of a show that marks the crossroads of pro wrestling past and future. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, a classic NXT review podcast for all you marks who want to get smarter about wrestling. And smart fans looking for a reason to mark out again. This week, we are purposefully, yet meaninglessly, stringing yellow hazard tape all over the episode <laughs> of NXT that originally aired on February 18th, 2015. I love this pointless plan, and barring any interruptions by McFarlane Toys' reimagining of a troll doll, I think it's going to go great. <laughs> Welcome to episode 91 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, we discussed TakeOver Rival, where everything happened. Finn Balor brought the demon to seize the number one contendership from Adrian Neville. Sasha Banks beat out the three other top women in her division to become the new NXT Women's Champion. Kevin Owens brutally beat Sami Zayn out of his senses to become the new men's champion. And Baron Corbin vanquished Bull Dempsey in a near four-minute hardcore war where the number of chair shots came perilously close to one. <gasps> With so much old business settled to take over, this week we'll see new challengers rise, we'll see new faces debut, and we'll ring the bell for a next wrestling fan mainstay whose NXT story is finally over. <gasps> we'll hear all about that in Bob's breakdown. After that, we'll dig into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. We'll also be handing out our Borans Olivier Awards for commitment to the bit. And after that, Megan Bob will take a shot at predicting next week's twist in the ongoing story of NXT, in a segment we call The Next Big Thing. Speaking of which... The segment we should call, Is Bob Ever Going to Get a Fucking Point? Well, maybe up to this week. <gasps> That's what we would have called it. Gasp. Bob has zero points coming into this episode, has already guessed wrong once since I scored my first bonus episode a couple of episodes ago, so we're on the one count. We're on the one mm -hmm. of my second five count to a bonus episode. Last episode, do you remember what you predicted, Bob? Uh Oh, Indie Star debuts. And oh, and beats up CJ Parker. That is correct. For the first time in the history of the next big thing, Megan Bob, you are correct. You get a point. <laughs> this means that you have one point going into next episode, which, and remember, under the new system, the new regime, you only need four points for a bonus episode. Mm -hmm. And you break up the five count, so I'm back to you know, one presumably next time on my ongoing count of episodes where you've guessed the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So you'll get another chance at the end of this episode to score another point and guess the next next big thing. But for now, let's jump into Bob's breakdown. We are asked to revisit the destruction of Sami Zayn by his part-time boyfriend, Kevin Owens. The shots of the audience feel delicious now that I know the end of the story. Hello, yes, I am the person who enjoys watching other people react to things that I myself have already experienced, or indeed just watching people experience things. In other words, no, I remain not at all sorry that I made my friends drink ranch dressing flavored soda that made us all <laughs> wish destruction upon humanity for their hubris. 11 out of 10 would make this terrible choice again. <laughs> okay, look, I just don't, I don't want anybody to worry. It came in a pack with six other terrible sodas. We did a formal ranking process that I developed. 
So it's highly structured and therefore not a dumb collective cell phone. It was a highly bespoke private podcasting experience. <laughs> I get some people would quibble with the idea of a podcast like saying, well, if it's not recorded, is it really a podcast? To them, I say, you are basic. Oh, God. Yeah, don't even start down that path, like ontologically. I've heard lots of podcasts that are barely recorded. It's It counts. Yeah, yeah. Get on my fucking level, man. Now, for a man whose level I am very interested in getting on, William Regal. Regal addresses us from his stately office with its beautiful abstract art that would not look out of place in one of your lower rent waiting rooms. Or the wall of a McDonald's back when they used to have weird abstract art on the walls for some reason. <laughs> yes, I was the child that noticed the art at McDonald's. Regal's hair is a little too short. Mm. But he looks super mad and serious. Mm. Daddy's in a disciplining mood. I mean, sadly, it's about disciplining Kevin Owens by saying, you might think you've got the biggest dick in full sail, but do not test me, sunshine, because mine is definitely bigger. Oh, also, he's he's going to have like a non-title match with Adrian Neville. I wasn't really listening. I was just looking at the little angry crease in his brow. No, we still do not have commentary on the scene. In full sail, Kevin Owens' music hits and he comes to the ring to say, I didn't lie about who I am. I told you exactly the kind of guy I am. Sami Zayn is the past. I'm looking to the future. And that's Finn Balor. Go get your match from Regal. But no one is taking this title belt away from me or my family. Big emphasis on the family. This mention of family from Kevin Owens, Chris. Mm -hmm. Are we supposed to get that? Like he's a heel. He's like, oh, he's healing for noble reasons. He's like, you know, one of them kinds. But he, whenever he mentions family like that, I'm like, you look a very dark tweener. Like, what is this? <laughs> Thoughts, Chris? There's a tweener aspect to this, I think. I, I think it's maybe a credit to Kevin Owens as a performer that he wants to play a heel who has a recognizable motivation. Like, there's a mm. reason he would do these things. He's not just like sort of cartoon bad. Mm -hmm. And there's also like a really like I would say uncharacteristic of pro wrestling, a, a level of self delusion involved, like consciously in the expression of the character mm. that plays into this. I think you're meant to see him as somebody who's telling himself he's doing the right thing. Oh. It, it, that's the way it seems to me. I don't think it's so crucial that you think he is like secretly this tortured good guy. <laughs> I think, though, you're supposed to see like, oh, no, from his perspective, this makes sense. Mm, OK. Yeah, I've been very impressed at the level of like in the storyline between him and Sammy, I guess, like dramatic irony, like <laughs> we're supposed to understand things about the situation that the characters don't understand, which pro wrestling has to be pretty fucking good to get away with that because pro wrestling depends so much on everything being perfectly clear. Mm, dramatic irony. Oof. Ooh, heady. Heady. Our commentary team is now introduced and it's Rich Brennan, Jason Albert, and Corey Graves. Corey Graves is dressed like a normal person, which is a shame because I really like bad fashion Corey Graves, which you see now sometimes. Mm -hmm. First match, there's a jobber in the ring. And then an entrance video with a rhinoceros running and the entirety of Full Sail stands up in excitement. A refrigerator comes out. Well, sorry, a refrigerator man. 
in that he is shaped much like a fridge, not that he repairs them. Although I don't know what his gimmick is. Maybe he does. But he does look like a man who snorts Red Bull and sleeps in a pile of gym towels. <laughs> Chris, I am informed that this man is Rhino. I am led to believe that his appearance here is cause for excitement if that crowd is anything to go by. The last time I was particularly excited about any particular guest on NXT it was Seamus or RVD because I don't think I've given a fuck about a lot of them. How excited should I get about this man? Why is he a thing? Without getting into the future at all, just talking about the past. Oh. You no doubt noticed the ECW chance. Sorry, I got super scared for a second because I was like, wait, you can see the future? <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, sorry. We're covering a show that's in the past. Okay, sorry. Chris is not a precog that we know of. If psychics were real, there would be so many one psychic, one non-psychic podcasts. It would be a whole genre. <laughs> Putting aside anything he has yet to do, you should be excited about Rhino to the extent that you are because he is... A legit ECW guy. He's not like somebody mm. like a Kurt Angle who was in ECW when WWE resurrected it. He's somebody who was in the original company who did all that shit. Rhino is kind of an interesting character. Like, I don't want to get into it a ton here because it's just like his personal stuff. But he's an interesting mm. man. He occupies an interesting place because he never became like a huge star in WWE. But he definitely found his niche in a way that a lot of other dyed-in-the-wool ECW types never did. Like, I don't think WWE ever really found a place for like... Sandman. They never really found a place for Tommy Dreamer. But Rhino found his place in WWE. And I think that he's in a an almost unique position where he's like somebody who people think of as an ECW kind of nostalgia act, like maybe the rest of these guys are full of shit, but like this guy's for real. This guy's hardcore. But also he actually had success in the company, like and in the product that people watch. So they have mm. things to remember, like they can remember him being in TLC. They can remember his hardcore title stuff. They can look back on that. I think he's in an odd position and his gore looks fucking tremendous. I'm sure you'll talk about it, but like, <laughs> yeah, he's a guy who like never in WWE was a main event star, but definitely found his groove, found a role. And you can see how happy people are to see him because like, yeah, yeah. he's got the look. He can do what he does. Seems like a guy who's got a lot to contribute. Aw, good for him. Everyone is screaming, gore, 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 the moment the bell goes. There is a jobber in the ring, unfortunately for the jobber. This jobber is roughed up for like upwards of maybe 45 seconds before being speared to the mat and then pinned. If you're unfamiliar with the spear, it is how Hobbs would tackle Calvin. <laughs> Chris, I'm not wrong here. It was a spear, right, that Hobbs would use on Calvin? I don't think so, but the way that impact is portrayed in Calvin and Hobbes, I mean, I'm not going to like read you my thesis about this, but just, you know, it's unclear. That's more of like a pounce to me. Oh, no, he also did spears. He would do a pounce, but he would also do a spear. Like with his arm out, like impact with the shoulder, like take you down, like. Well, I mean, it didn't show that part. It just like showed him leaping horizontally rather than vertically. I imagine to me, that's more of like a great cat style pounce. But really, but I don't know. OK. Hey, did you know that a Boston crab is also known as a reverse shrimp hold? Reverse shrimp hold? Yeah. Fuck, I'm never calling it a Boston crab ever <laughs> again. I'm going to like. Just pull my pants down, like slap my dick on the table and be like, reverse shrimp hold, you casual. Yeah, don't That's the listen. Best. Don't fucking buy into the marketing. All those motherfuckers in Boston. 
Yeah, yeah. Boston Harbor full of reverse shrimp. And they're like, fuck it, it's a Boston <laughs> crab. I'm selling it at the market. That is a reverse shrimp, my friend. Oh, fuck. Now I'm like imagining a shrimp that's inside out and I don't like it anymore. Never mind, we're moving on. It's too scared. <laughs> the jobber is maybe dead. So the wind goes to Rhino as the camera gets entirely too close to his face. I don't know if you've seen it before, but the man has a lot of face. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. There's just a lot of it. He is a broad man. He is a man who can <laughs> fill a frame. Yeah, he is. I, the, pff, wow. Something to look at for sure. I'm like, do they just not make them like that anymore? Like, is he with something in the water at that particular time in history? Or is it just we just don't have that shape guy on TV anymore? It's probably the latter. <laughs> Backstage, Finn Balor is looking tall next to Devin. Get her up fucking box to stand on the shot composition looks fucked to shit this makes finn balor look bigger this is part of devin's job bob i guess but i just i don't because i'm looking at how tiny she is i'm not looking at finn balor i'm yeah. like why are you making this this tiny elfin woman hold a mic she can't reach that high but subconsciously this is affecting your perception of the world this is not the x-files he's not gonna fucking kiss devin we want them to be <laughs> dramatically different heights like impractically different heights because he's a wrestler and she's not i mean I she guess. is but. oh devin's a wrestler she wrestles on some shows yeah oh okay good for devin finn is replying to ko's call out when rhino enters circles finn once Half rolls his eyes and then leaves. We close with a shot of Finn Balor's face going, is this an American thing? <laughs> I say that because the times that I've had that look given to me of like, wait, is this one of your things? And I'm doing, <laughs> oh, my God. The greatest thing in history. happened. Sorry. Sorry. This is a dumb aside. It made me so fucking. Ha Chris, are you familiar with the Grey Poupon ads? Do you remember them yeah, at all? Yeah. Okay, in a text thread, something vaguely fancy had happened, and friend of the show, Rafael Medina, said, <laughs> like, spit takes the Grey Poupon. I, you know, as a way of expressing, like, I, a fellow fancy man, react in shock at this. Neil turned to me and was like, meh? And I was, I was going, Grey Poupon, you know. And he was going, I have no idea what you're fucking doing talking about <laughs> and so i had to say okay go on youtube watch the ad so you watch the great poupon and then chris this is so great he was doing great poupon material at me like that commercial had dropped yesterday <laughs> like a thing happened i don't i was doing that and he was like would you like some great like went to look in the fridge <laughs> and I was like, this thing is like 30 years old. <laughs> you cannot be doing this material. <laughs> you can reference it, but you can't be like doing it like it's fresh. Oh, my God. It was so beautiful. It was. That is hilarious. And in retrospect, of course, that's just for us in America. Because yeah. there was that weird relationship with anything European. Like, I remember at one point I got like, it was like a mini espresso machine. True, like the tiniest, most plastic thing from like in-laws <laughs> or whatever. And it came with like a VHS tape <gasps> explaining espresso. Wow. And there was like VHS tape style effects like Holy the shit. image like flipping around like it's on a card. And it's like, you are about to enter the world of European coffee. 
fucking good. I mean, to be fair, the Grey Poupon ad does have British people in it and like using that. But like, oh, because that wouldn't work if they showed it. Because I was like, no, they got the BBC too. But like, why would the British show and that? Because like, obviously, that would not be a thing where they're like, oh, rich people, fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And the Irish would be like, oh, the British, fuck off. Just right. Only we are the Tiaboos who are like, oh, a fancy British thing. Ooh. Mm-hmm. But obviously, British people being interested in a French thing. It's very much like people in America who have that, like, a chip on their shoulder about, like, yeah, I enjoy Marmite. I'm extremely cultured. <laughs> oh, ooh, no, Marmite, no. Chris, under what life circumstances do you think it would be a brilliant move to circle someone, half roll your eyes, and then leave without ever saying a word? It seems kind of Bridgerton to me. Like, I think uh, I think you do that to create anticipation for when you come back. I think it ruins the mm. effect if the person, like, goes after you. But if they know that you're on your way, like, that you notice them and that you're going to come back around and they're, like, in a little bit of suspense about, like, exactly what you're feeling, like, when you're going to show up, that's the time to do it. It's a weird thing to do with somebody you're going to pick a fight with, but... <laughs> I also think Rhino, like he's having very much like a fresh meat reaction to Finn Balor here. Oh, okay. Like okay. that's the way that I read it. It's not like I'm going to destroy you. It's like, no, no, no. I'm going to fuck you up because I've already fucked up a lot of people, but you're new and I haven't fucked you up yet. Yes. Mine was definitely imagine someone being shitty to someone in customer service and like just doing that to them like doing that to the person who's being shitty of like this is how you get your thrills (laughs) that would feel so good so much better than like getting into it with them of just like you're a child yeah i will gore you at my leisure yeah like it's a powerful position to be in mm. oh so good Commercial fast lane. Chris, what the goddamn fuck is fast lane? Whence fast lane? Pourquoi fast lane? Also, what is the United States Championship? All right. Now I'm going on memory here. Fast lane, I believe, uh-huh. is one of the many attempts to deal with the fact that like the wrestling year has one clear like WrestleMania is huge. That's Christmas. It's the payoff. Well, I mean, really, we all know that the Royal Rumble is Christmas and like WrestleMania is not, but whatever. No, look, Bob, listen, WrestleMania is Christmas. Royal Rumble is the Christmas season. Oh, it's better because it's not the payoff. The presents are never (laughs) going to make you happy in the same way. Like that (laughs) day is never going to make you happy in the same way. The buildup makes you happy. And Mm, the Royal Rumble is like you get to see all your favorites and then like somebody points to the sign and it's like, I'm going to WrestleMania. And that's like, I'm your family. I'm going to come fucking see you at Christmas. And then you're like, oh, (laughs) yay, my family. Oh, no. Then on Christmas, though, you actually have to see your family. And that's WrestleMania. But I think Fastlane, though, there have been many efforts to deal with the fact that like, like all the stakes are riding on WrestleMania. So like, what do you do like right before and right after? Because mm-hmm. everybody knows that everything is waiting until WrestleMania. Like, everything happens at WrestleMania. So I think Fastlane is, like, the pay-per-view, for, at least for a while it was, like, right before WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And the angle was, like, we're almost there. We're really almost <laughs> WrestleMania now. <laughs> Things are really heating up. Oh, 
Oh, that's terrible. Hey, do you have a WrestleMania sign in your house so that whenever you have a disagreement, you can point to it? (laughs) There is no WrestleMania sign in my house, and I don't think that would be terribly effective. I don't think it would work very well in a relationship. Yeah. I find that in a romantic relationship, climactic showdowns usually don't go well. (laughs) That's true. Although it is fun whenever it's about like the dumbest thing that neither of you actually cares about, and you're both like, oh, let's point to the WrestleMania sign. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Neil actually drew a tiny WrestleMania sign that lives on the fridge so we can point to it if we ever have need. But it lives there as a permanent memorial, like just in case we ever need to like argue about which one of us possibly did a thing that neither of us is totally sure which one of us did because we both have TBIs. Like then we can just go, all right, well, I'll see you at WrestleMania then and just agree that we're not going to actually fight about it because like, okay, well, we have no way of knowing unless the dogs are suddenly going to give testimony. It's very cute. Thank you. I'm pretty fucking adorable. Neil, too. This isn't just for you. You're right. Yeah. Neil, you're so goddamn adorable. Thank you for drawing me a little tiny WrestleMania sign. And it's the pirate WrestleMania sign from the intense COVID time. So it's got a little <laughs> eye patch. It's good shit. Tag team action. The VOD villains are going to fight Enzo and Big Cass. Enzo's beard has been partially bleached. Part of it is black. Part of it is the terrible color that happens whenever you bleach hair. He looks like he's permanently eating a badger out. It's regrettable. Mm. They get on the mic to say that they're gunning for their title shot. The VOD villains had their chance. Cue Enzo Amore getting beat to shit by both the VOD villains. A moral good, we can all agree. Once the tag is made to big cast, though, unfortunately, it is all over for the VOD villains as English is remorselessly splashed in the corner by big cast and then pinned. Sorry, I, I wrote the phrase remorselessly splashed in the corner and I was like, that's got to be from some kind of very specific erotica. Mm. <laughs> Just. Oh, man, they were remorselessly splashed in the corner. And you're like, there's somebody out there with a kiddie pool and Eclipse mm. for Sale account who is like, do you <laughs> want to see me remorselessly splashed? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Got those toys that squirt water. Oh, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> oh, the highlight of this match. Enzo being thrown at Aiden English. Glorious. Just always do that. I have a question for you about this. Around the time this was happening, I think, mm-hmm. I heard Enzo and Cass on Steve Austin's podcast. Oh, yeah. They were talking about how, like, they had sort of honed in on what their team does to the point that Enzo Amore almost doesn't bother with doing moves anymore. Yeah, no, he does not. He just sells. He just gets the shit beat out of him, right? Because that's what he's good at. Does that interfere with your enjoyment of matches at all? Or do you feel like it works for you that Enzo just takes the heat from the other team? I don't want to see him do moves. What would I get out of that? Okay. I mean, it would be funny if he did a move and did it so badly that he failed at it. And I don't just say that just because, like, he's a shitty person, but because, like, the person he's portraying, I want to see that person get, like kicked Mm -hmm. i know he's a fake like i'm enthusiastic about it so i would be cheering like i'd be super excited every time he made a comeback just because i'd be like yeah you're gonna get your ass kicked again interesting okay momentary sidebar here i've just been editing our um hard choices bad choices episode about looney tunes Mm -hmm. enzo amore is a looney tunes character okay enzo amore fits the archetype like fits the formula for the looney tunes character 
because Looney Tunes is all about like the character who by rights should lose winning mm-hmm. through some underhanded means. And oh, we cheer yeah. them on because it's like in the same way that we hate a bully, we love someone who finds a way to put one over on the person who by all rights is their superior. That mm, is the true. logic of Looney Tunes. And the logic of Enzo Amore is the same, which is like he's got big cast there. Big cast is this giant man <laughs> who inexplicably <laughs> likes Enzo Amore. And so the joy is seeing Enzo Amore talk shit about people who are way tougher and better than he is <laughs> and then somehow prevailing against them because Cass has his back and the schadenfreude of like the look on a better wrestler's face when they are beaten by Enzo Amore is the emotional mm. payoff of Enzo and Cass. Okay, okay. Blurfy appears on the screen above the ramp. They want to tell everybody that they intend to keep their championships. They also want to get Carmella's number. Which I guess means that they're hoping for an Eiffel Tower situation? Uh. Mm. When an Australian is there, it's technically known as a Sydney Opera House, but continue. Sydney Opera House, Jesus fuck. Also, Wesley Blake does the, like, hot lady hand motion of, like, ooh, them curves, but instead kind of mimes that he's horny about an abstract art vase. (laughs) (laughs) I know, we've all seen the decor on an episode of Columbo and God. Ooh, mmm. Mm, so 70s. <laughs> Backstage, Adrian Neville is being interviewed by a man who has ghost eyebrows. They're there, but are they? Chris, do you remember his name? The interviewer from the backstage segment? I know. Was he there at all, Chris? Was he there at all? No. When I think back, I just think of haunting eyebrows. I don't know. I'm sorry. Greg. That's right. That's true. Yeah, no, but I mean, like, emotionally, it's true. Like, yeah. he is a Greg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not humoring you. You are you are absolutely right. And I know that doesn't convey to the listener, but like, yeah, he's a Greg for sure. He's a real fucking Greg. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, look, I've met some good Gregs. He's just he's just kind of a Greg, you know, he's just a Greg. Neville is feeling a frisson of relief about where his life is at right now. He's the hunter, no longer the hunted. He gets to indulge in some vendettas that he's had to put on the back burner. The interview ends, but the shot doesn't. <laughs> Adrian Neville turns his head dramatically away from the camera like he's in a soap opera. I'm going to I'm doing doing it now. Oh, <laughs> so fucking beautiful. Have you heard Nathan Fillion on like how to do the soap opera? <gasps> no, how you've heard everything. No, I have not. He describes it and acts it out as like when they leave it on you at the end to like show the emotional expression. What you do is like. Did I leave the oven on? No, I turned it off. (laughs) Whereas Adrian Neville's was like, the oven never loved me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, probably not, but seems like a weird place to feel that emotion. Yeah. Europeans are more sophisticated than us. This is the moral of the story. (laughs) Still backstage, Bailey's largely sanguine about the match at Rival. Cut to Becky, who's cheerful specifically about Charlotte losing the title. Even if, you know, she didn't end up winning it. But she says Charlotte in that thick Dublin accent that I I cannot do it. It's so fucking good. You out there in Listen Land, take a second. Imagine Becky Lynch saying your name in that mean girl way. Imagine her saying it like she's about to pie face you and walk away. 
Yeah. It's a good use of your time. Back to the ring. CJ Parker is pissed that he wasn't on TakeOver. So he's taking over the ring with crime scene tape? Very specifically. Okay, he wasn't on TakeOver. Yes, correct. What is that? It is bullcrap. It's bullcrap. Oh my God. That's cute. That's cute. Then a weird man enters. A very weird man. Chris, what does he look like? <laughs> I prepared for this moment. I have a list as well. This is Solomon Crow. Uh, all right, let's just, we'll go back and forth. He looks like Billy Joe Armstrong action figure. Poor condition. Some melting visible, pants missing. Mmm. A palette swapped Vivian from the young ones. <laughs> a 14-year-old's first Dragon Ball Z OC on DeviantArt. <laughs> Mad Max's least favorite cousin. <laughs> a low effort create a wrestler of Shadow the Hedgehog. Oh, like he was raised by possums who formed a butt rock band in 2003. Mmm. If the band Pantera were, as its name suggests, not a band, but a Thundercat. Like he can only come if he's looking at pyramid studs. <laughs> a pick me, but instead of not being like other girls, he's not like other olds. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. All right, I'm out. Okay, I got another one. Go for it. Here we go. This one's a story. Legend has it that if you look in a mirror and tell your reflection three times when you went to your first hardcore concert... A magical elf will appear to one-up you. That elf is Solomon Crow. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, I got another one. The hero who travels back in time to instigate a youth revolution in a low-budget sci-fi movie, played by the same guy who wrote and directed the movie because he's yep. the only one with the intensity. Yes. No, this is accurate. This is so <laughs> fucking accurate. I've worked with that man. <laughs> All right, please continue. Yep, that's who he is. All right, match three. Blue Pants versus Sasha. Oh, do, did we want to say what he does? Oh, you know, okay, you're, that's a good point. That's a good point. He beats the shit out of CJ Parker, gets on the mic, reassures us that he's a whole thing. Chris, did you have anything you wanted to say about him? Just because it's going to come up later, he says, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. <gasps> that's right. Those are okay. the words we have heard Solomon Crow say. That is his introduction mm. to us. Okay. It's weird that he looks like that, but is somehow a TV guy. That seems incongruous, but... He's a pantsless television hacker. It's a very interesting yep. wrestling gimmick. I mean, I will say it's extremely original. That's true. I mean, people have done this before, but never without pants. <laughs> Like, never in a singlet and a leather jacket like that. Yeah, because, I mean, to some extent, the S.H.I.E.L.D., they, they dabbled in a bit of technological doings. But, yeah, this is, is visionary. Yeah, and, like, the Wyatt family did it. But, number one, they did it with, like, magical cult down south stuff. <laughs> Swamp water. And, number two, pants. Every one of them. <gasps> True. So much pants. I mean, Rowan... Rowan's wearing nothing but pants. He's encased in pants. Pants to the neck. That's yeah. <laughs> neck pants, as listen, they call <laughs> as they call jumpsuits. When you get an ass like that, you need layers of defenses. I have never seen that butt. I need to see like a good picture of that butt. I gotta see him like out of it, because I'm not able to appreciate whatever's going on there. 
Match number three, Blue Pants versus Sasha. There's a dueling chant already. Impossible not to. Sasha is disgusted that Blue Pants is getting crowd love. So she sits on the middle rope, which I had a real moment where I, I remember when Miles was like, what are the three ropes called, Chris? <laughs> the bottom rope, the middle rope, and the top rope. Yes. And I screamed in outrage at this naming convention. I was like, this is unacceptable. This is random. Surely, if we're going to do top and bottom, it should be center. But like, <laughs> no, no, this is also sometimes known as the second rope. Also sometimes known as Brett's rope, because Bret Hart is the smartest wrestler who ever lived and was like, you know what? Nobody gives a fuck if I jump from the second rope yeah. instead of the top rope. It's fine. <laughs> Turns out they just like fucking jumping. Mm -hmm. It's fine. Yeah, genius. So she sits on that middle rope, levers it open and like to tell Blue Pants to get the fuck out. Blue Pants does the sad Charlie Brown over to Sasha and then kicks her. So she falls out of the ring. Hilarious. <laughs> Sasha hates that kind of thing, though. Gets back in the ring to make Blue Pants pay. Blue Pants does look good for a second. And it was kind of like, that's the best Levo Bates has ever looked in the ring. <laughs> I've seen her in AEW occasionally on the dark programming. That is some shaggy ass shit. The botches. And I'm like, oh, no, but you're so, uh, you're so cute. I want to hold you, please. I'm so sorry that this is what's happening at your workplace. You could do something else. You don't have to do this. It's OK. Blue Pants looks good for a second before she's down on the mat with Sasha's boot on Blue Pants throat. Pearls before swine. I was like, well, you know what? I tried to think for a second. What could Sasha Banks charge for that? Just like. You know, say that it was some kind of thing. She's partnered with New Japan now mm -hmm. doing some kind of promotional thing. It's like, all right, we're at the con or whatever the fuck it is. The pre-show, you know, where you paid a lot of money. Hey, for X amount of dollars, this person will put her wrestle boot on your throat. And I was like, actually, she can name her price. <laughs> there is no price that's too high for that. Because of who she is. It's like, there just isn't anybody else. Wow. 100%. And like, okay, this isn't hard choices, so I'm not going to get into it. But I'm just going to say, yeah, yes, she is ideal. There are she so many ideal. people who have played that character in wrestling who would not be able to earn my boot choking dollar. She definitely yeah. could. Your boot choking. I can't imagine the price. You at home, think about what would be the correct price for that because I think it is a staggeringly high amount because there's she's the only provider in the world. You get to take a picture, but you're not even in it. You take a picture of her from down there. Oh, that's mm, no, that's very good. That's extremely good. Yeah, I'm like, Rhea Ripley is amazing and super hot, but no, like that wouldn't it just would not be the same. Mm, disagree, but we, we can have this out <laughs> later. It wouldn't be the same, but I, you know. Yeah, you're like, no, no, no. I look, I I'm going to go do a lot of crimes. I, I'll, I'm good for it. I'm good for it. I all, all the boots you got. Give me those boots. We got to cut this Gordian knot. I simply need more boot choking dollars. <laughs> Quick to the Patreon. <laughs> OK, backstage, the doctor who looked at Sammy during takeover said that he's not medically cleared yet. Sammy's not, not the doctor. The doctor doesn't wrestle. But Sammy will be soon. So don't worry, more Sammy is coming. 
Also, Sammy didn't even get a fucking doctor's note to get out of flying overseas for work. And he has to do work. He doesn't get to, like, just do nothing. You call yourself a doctor? Your first job. Okay, it's do no harm. Then it is give fun doctor's notes. Monster. Don't forget Z-Packs. Did you hear the Z-Pack chant last episode? No, I didn't. This would have been around the time I think the uh, CM Punk interview with Colt Cabana came out. Oh. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, antibiotics are a whole thing. (laughs) But I love a Z-Pack. It does what it says it's going to do. I love not being sick. It's great. Yeah, look, you heard it here from Megan Bob. A Z-Pack, as Vince McMahon always predicted, will solve all medical problems and allow people to continue their grueling routines no matter what. Z-Pack. Oh, it doesn't do that. Yeah, it does. (laughs) I just feel cool because then I get to open it and go, this as like, there's levels. I have to do like tasks, but also I get to like feel cool because I get to open it up and there's all these little blister packs. No, Z-Packs are fun. I know. I lead an exciting life, everybody. (laughs) Main event. Adrian Neville versus Kevin Owens. Neville starts out with the tiniest shine. And then Kevin Owens breaks Neville gut first over his knee and sentons him. Neville eats club after club and the most disgusted and dismissive faces from Kevin Owens. Faces that say, you fucked my boyfriend. I have now fucked him. I have fucked him better than you ever have or ever could. But that's not enough. My dominance is not going to be established until I fuck you. Like the power of going, no, no, it's not I have to fuck Sammy better than anyone else has ever done it. Like that's a foregone conclusion. Of course. No, no, no. I have to now go and fuck everybody else so they know what he's getting that you could never give him. Mm. That's what love is. Yeah, I have to dom your dom so it's clear that this is not a competition. Yes, 100%. It's so fucking beautiful. This, the poetry of it, it's exquisite. Cut to Adrian Neville sailing over the top rope like a stuffed animal thrown by a toddler. No one takes ugly bumps like Adrian Neville. I say that. Chris, is there anyone else who eats it like Neville does? Because it is fucking wild. No one does. In my, I do not have the encyclopedic wrestling knowledge, but in my experience, I do think he has a special gift. The way you phrased this brought something to mind. Oh, yes. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to send it to you in the chat. Okay. Flashing forward slightly in our timeline, just a mm-hmm. little bit, Adrian Neville, after losing his first name, eventually becomes somewhat indignant about the state of his fucking merch. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put it in the chat. This is the Neville t shirt. Uh huh. Yeah, that's nothing. That's trash. It just says Neville. And then it says King of the Cruiserweights underneath. This is very much like... It's not even a good font. This is nothing. This is garbage. Little bit of word art. It's Times New Roman, but it's like in a rainbow shape. It's fine. We can publish this. We yeah. can. We, people will buy this. They won't. I could have made that as a fucking child. There is no excuse for this when he could have had a pink and orange, let's say, shirt, super gaudy with like hearts on and stuff. And in super feminine uh-huh. script, nobody eats it like Neville. Oh. Oh, fuck. Fuck. 
No, that's <laughs> that's extremely good. I mean, it's true though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's short, but he's compact. He's like a jockey. Yes, 100%. Many of the same. There's a real overlap in the skill set. I bet he eats it like a champ, but regardless, (laughs) nobody has to know. It's You can still make the shirt. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know what? I believe in you too, Adrian. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You have that look about you. Neville only manages to create some distance when he spikes Kevin Owens, but Neville is still looking rough. There's some forearm blows from Neville where there's normally like a yay for every blow, but the audience sounds like mixed as fuck between yays and boos each time. I think it's probably those fucking KO shirt people going like, nah, boo, don't beat up our boy. Then Neville does a moonsault off the corner to Owens on the outside. The crowd is finally maybe on side with Neville now. We also get Neville doing his flippy somersaulty splash to Kevin Owens on the outside. We are getting some of his lesser used moves. Why are we being blessed with these treasures? I think this is something special. Like, I don't think this is like a match that is going to go down in, you know, NXT history or anything like that, although it's very good. But I think in terms of where we are in the narrative, I appreciated the way that they started this match where Kevin Owens like bails out of the ring, just like he did with Sammy. Neville immediately follows him out and decks him. And at the same time that it's like a replay of the match with Sammy, it's kind of a contrast as well. It's like, this is not a guy who cares about you. This is not a guy who cares about your bullshit. I mean, Kevin Owens is a tough opponent regardless, but Adrian Neville does not give a fuck what Kevin Owens thinks about him. Mm. And that makes this a different match. It changes the pace. It changes the structure of it. Where like with Sammy, it was like, to me, you're meant to read I'm willing to take a couple of dives from Sammy. He's going to get fired up. He's going to get real mad. I'm going to take a couple of punches. That's fine because that puts him exactly where I want him. Here it's the opposite where it's like Adrian Neville is not ducking anything. He doesn't need anything from Owens. And so he doesn't get that initial flurry really. Mm -hmm. But he also doesn't get backed into a corner. And this ends up being a much more competitive finish. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I think like we're meant to sort of see like, yeah, this could have gone either way. This is. Oh, yeah. Mm. Owens wins it. But this was a possibility for either of them to win. And it's important in that context for us to see that this is Adrian Neville at his limit. Like whatever you've seen him do offensively, he does Mm -hmm. need to do that to Kevin Owens to have a chance. Mm, Okay, Legit. The hottest part is watching Neville deadlift Kevin Owens for Mm. a German suplex. It's a real, like, you think I can't throw you around in the bedroom because you're 270? You never (laughs) fucked a hobbit like this, baby. (laughs) And Kevin Owens sells the fuck out of the German suplex by doing, like, toddler grabby hands at nothing as though he can prevent the suplex just by clutching at the empty air and going like, no, no, (laughs) not this. I don't want it. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god i i have to have you seen aloha arn no was this arn anderson yes it is doing uh, okay i'm my brain is imagining but i'm imagining him now when he's super old which i do like old arn anderson he's fun this is arn anderson selling a sunset flip <laughs> <laughs> 
That's amazing. What what is that? Best who ever did it, trying to keep his balance, reaching out for those ropes. Oh wow, that's incredible. So good. So good. Neville sets up the red arrow, but Kevin Owens evades and pulls Neville into a pop-up power bomb. The kind of power bomb with like extra height. And then smashes him to the mat so thoroughly that he is unable to even attempt like the feeblest kick out of the pin. Owen's hand and the title are held aloft over the fallen form of Adrian Neville. Now, if you were wondering what the situation with chat GPT was, <laughs> it struggles mightily to understand which matches happened on what day. It's it's like never can understand when things happened chronologically, at least not for WWE. It can't. It's like. Mmm. And so it'll tell me like, oh, these are the things that were on the card. And I'm like, no, that's not what was on the <laughs> card. And then it'll go. It's not here. Let me go look. And then it's like, oh, this is what was on the card. I'm like, nope, still not correct. <laughs> so I gave up and I was like, let me just ask for something super basic. So basic. gonna hate me so much so what i have there says please write a limerick about how dumb enzo amore's hair is all right here it is there once was a wrestler named enzo whose hair was as loud as a cuzzo <laughs> it stood up so tall like a big bouncing ball <laughs> and made everyone say, oh, no. <laughs> Look, AI is going to kill us all. Clearly. Look at this. Now, can it do like, you know, dangerous shit? Uh, yeah, but like the things that matter. Look at this. We're fine. We're fine. Is Kazo a word? I don't know. That's nope. I'm doubting myself. Nope. Did you did you check into this? Oh, no. I mean, I'm sure it's loud. It only makes sense if it's kazoo, but it just was like trying to stuff it in there. No, I did not investigate whether K-A-Z-O was in fact a word. But if you look, man on the scene, Chris Newton is even now searching for this just to find out, just in case. Here, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that no. the... Nope, nothing? No, no. I mean, it's 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 a Japanese word, but it's not... Oh, what does it mean? It is a romanization of a Japanese word meaning father. And I didn't know that until this minute, so I'm sure that I have been pronouncing it wrong for a Japanese word. Whose hair was as loud as a father. Yeah. Hmm. No, this all fits together. No, no. this is... Atrocious. Un oh, you don't like it! You don't like this bullshit! Limericks are easy. Limericks are dead easy. Like, the meter is simple. The rules are simple. It's short. It has a built-in joke structure. Yes, it does. What else do you want? Like, it's if you can't do this, you're unfit for poetry. Chris Newton, like, taking it to AI. <laughs> and that is the end of the episode. Thank you for the breakdown, Bob. What did you think of this episode overall? You know what? It was really hot watching Kevin Owens beat up Adrian Neville and Adrian Neville try to beat up Kevin Owens. So I appreciated that. I mean, the women's shit continues to be really good, even whenever it's like short and goofy. I mean, it's good. I don't know. Like, I liked it. It didn't make me go, ah, this is the best. But I was like, goddamn, 
NXT, you're getting solid. This cake's almost done. I wouldn't be able to speak to the future because I wasn't watching regularly after a certain point. But to me, it it felt like kind of when I fell off of NXT for reasons unrelated to the programming, it came to feel a little bit bloated in terms of the match length and quality and like, you know, all that stuff as distinct from the like the really solid storytelling. And like, I do think we're kind of if not at then like very close to the peak on that here. Oh, yeah, there is a distinctive feeling of watching the show at this time where it's like this is a great match in the main event, but it's always a great match in the main event. It it, almost always the main event is a great match with like great characters And like there's a story being told. The athleticism is there. It's just really consistently good pro wrestling. I think my critique is that I would like a little bit more dumb bullshit and frankly, bad dumb bullshit. Hmm. I like a mix. I want shit to be real good and I want shit to miss the mark. I can see that sometimes you do miss like when someone revisits something from like a very shaggy creator that you're like, oh, this is good. And, and in the places where it's good, it, it maybe is better than what that creator did. But what you're missing is all the weird bullshit. Like this is so yeah. streamlined. I want my Bob Haney. Yeah, yeah. I just it's not a complaint for me at this point, but I definitely see your point. Well, I'm a very specific consumer. <laughs> That's true. Before we move on, it's time to ring the bell. Ah, what? OK, this is a big one. Even with an asterisk next to it, we are now ringing the bell for Adrian Neville. No! What? Neville is going to keep having matches on NXT shows and even for the NXT title for the next month and a half, but not on TV. What the fuck? Then on March 30th, he will make his televised debut on Raw against (gasps) Curtis Axel. Minus his first name and plus a hooded purple cape. Oh, God. He's not completely done with NXT. He's going to be back a couple of times, only for one-offs, not within our regular coverage. These are not episodes we're going to be talking about. He'll challenge for the NXT title on WWE live shows. That's something that's kind of happening at this time, is that sometimes NXT wrestlers are, for like, you know, regional reasons or whatever, they'll be on main roster WWE shows and live events, sometimes with the NXT title on the line. He'll show up on some NXT live shows in the UK, and he's going to make up the numbers in a tournament just at the end of our coverage. It's not an episode we're going to cover, but like just within our timeline, there's going to be a one-off where Adrian Neville shows up, but he's going to be out in the first round. His final singles match on NXT TV won't be until January 2016, once again in a one-off appearance. As a part of the sort of NXT cast, he's done. You know Pac from AEW, of course. I know you've seen him in other things as well. Part of what is interesting to me about his departure here is like he leaves at a transitional time for NXT. I feel like Mm -hmm. if you look at the champions before him, Seth Rollins and Big E, like Big E hasn't done great things on the main roster yet, Mm -hmm. but he eventually does. Like he eventually becomes a world champion. I think the previous champions were like guys who graduated developmental basically. Mm -hmm. And like Bo Dallas flopped kind of. Yeah. But he's still in the same boat as like Seth Rollins and Biggie is like, okay, you made it through developmental, you graduated. Now you get to go like be a star on the main roster. Whereas I think like Neville is the first ex-champion who leaves NXT at a time when NXT is beginning to sort of assert itself as a separate brand. Yeah. With its own following. You're beginning to hear like the better than raw chants and so on. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. I think that 
without tons and tons of spoilers, Adrian Neville is one of maybe like the two or three least decorated NXT champions on the main roster, depending on how you value the cruiserweight championship. Yeah. He is entrusted to, at a certain point, be like the hope of this like fledgling brand on 205 Live, yeah, the cruiserweight show. It just is really interesting to me how management saw NXT at this time, because I, Mm. I think Adrian Neville exists in a moment that's very different from either what came before or what came after to have a star coming out of NXT and have the idea that like, okay, we're going to like, he has to be wearing a purple cape because he can't just be a guy in trunks. That's indie bullshit. Right. And, but he does big flips. So that's great. And then eventually kind of coming out of the cruiserweight classic, like we have this potential other audience to tap. NXT is doing that somehow. I think like management didn't understand how, but they were beginning to understand that it was happening. They had this idea like, oh, well, maybe Neville is the guy. Maybe we can give him the belt and maybe like he can hold it down for this whole new division, this whole new product, this whole new brand. And we'll make him the most boring T-shirt we can think of. It's just a really weird time. Like, I don't really have a thesis about this, but it's just like nobody else had the weird main roster experience that Adrian Neville did. So it's interesting. Do you have any kind of like parting thoughts about Adrian Neville? I think that when you put it like that, it makes complete sense to me that he ended up leaving the company and not a ton of the bigger NXT stars necessarily did. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, he had like a really weird experience. Compared to some of the others. And mm-hmm. yeah, that it would make sense that he would go, I got to leave. I can't. My time didn't align with what was happening. So I missed my window. And if I want that, I have to go somewhere else. I think you would enjoy this. And I'm going to recommend it to both you personally and to the listeners. If you go and check out Cool Cabana's Art of Wrestling podcast, there's an interview with Pac. Really? Yeah. And it's very unusual in that like, there's the interview and then there's a like afterward there's like is it okay if i turn this thing back on like we're talking about the business and like i think this belongs on the podcast and puck kind of talking about like his fear of like am i good enough like what happens (gasps) if i try to make the jump and it doesn't work yeah yeah which really gives some interesting personal context to his experience in wwe such a weird like contradictory dichotomy of being pushed as like this is the next big thing but also like look at this funny short man in a cape like yeah i think this dysfunctional ass company had no idea how to get behind this person that some of them clearly wanted to get behind and he was very smart to identify like these people can't use me like a lot of people here I'm going to sit here at catering with all my talent for the rest of my life if I don't get out of here. Yeah. And it's so wild to think that he ever doubted that he was something special. I mean, I get it. Like, that's how everybody is. Yeah. But God damn, he's so special. He's done so much great fucking stuff after leaving. And God damn, he is extremely important in the earlier part of AEW. Not as much as I think he should be. Never as much as I think he should be because I think he should be all over that fucking show. Yeah, that roster's too goddamn big. But yeah, he is unbelievably great every single time. I have never seen him have a bad match. I think on the one hand, yes, you're absolutely right. Like it's nuts that someone like Adrian Neville would wonder if he's good enough. But also it's perceptive of him to look ahead at what he's being asked to do and see that that's not really what he does for a living. Like, 
Yes. You know, it reminds me of the Mitch Hedberg joke about like how stand-ups are treated. Like, we mm-hmm. don't do this to chefs where you eat their food like oh this is really good do you farm that's a different job like being in a sitcom or whatever that's a totally different thing and in the Mm. same way like being a wrestler who works your way up through the indies if you make it to wwe you are being asked to do a totally different job on the strength of your success in a different job yeah god damn the day he's gonna leave wrestling is or like whenever there's no more Pac matches is gonna be tough Yeah, he's one of those guys who you saw a lot of this in Chikara. Like, I forget who said this, but like somebody was talked about like a 2.0 room. There are certain acts that like even seeing them on TV, you can tell. Yeah. Like this is somebody who does something for the people in the room who connects with people in a certain way that doesn't fully convey on television. I would. It's not like Pac is my favorite wrestler, Mm. but he definitely would be one of the people that if I heard he was going to be near me, I would make every effort to get there yeah god of course yeah no we were super hoping <laughs> there was a lot of people we were hoping we we're gonna be in El Paso that we did not get but still we got fucking mjf but i mean yeah he is fuck i feel really now having seen him in aew gives me such a deeper appreciation to have seen him here at this stage yeah and how special it is to get to see like oh my god this feels like the band they were in before they got with their band that actually made it (laughs) and it's good it's really fucking good Pac is something special if i can take a moment like stepping back from being a host like as a fan of this podcast i appreciate the opportunity to go back and reevaluate his work because i watched it at the time but i mean this is such a weird time in nxt he is surrounded by like over the top talented people not that he's overshadowed but like he's also doing something a little bit subtler than what other people are doing yes yes it benefits from the second viewing for sure it's time now to discuss the sights sounds and feels of pro wrestling Bob, what did your elf eyes see in this episode? There was a sign at the very, very, very beginning of the show. I don't know if you saw it in the audience. It says, I'm cheering for the cameraman. (laughs) And I was like, that's so nice. And I bet the cameraman was looking at it, maybe to read it, but also maybe to go like, this is a little thing for me. I'm going to look at the sign and then I get to have this like, it's captured forever. Somebody bother to make a sign and bring it to the show to cheer on the fact that I'm doing the work so that that way people at home can watch it. That's the right way to use the wrestling sign for someone who like to communicate with someone who otherwise would feel like this crowd's not here for me. Yeah, I felt that way about bringing a sign for Paul Scrivens to King of Trios. Like, oh, yeah, this guy, wherever he is, did good work on that podcast, buddy. I think you should bring signs for the people who aren't getting screaming cheers. It's important. Chris, what did your elf eyes see? I saw that slow German suplex from Neville that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. What a fucking like. You were asking earlier and I didn't want to like blow the ringing the bell segment. But, like, why are we seeing all this from Neville? And surely part <gasps> of it is this is oh, the tradition. Yeah. Like in NXT especially, you go out on your back, like on your way out of the promotion, you put somebody yeah. over. You know, we've invested all this in you as like all the value in your character. When you leave, the courteous thing to do is give that value back by letting somebody beat you. Now Kevin Owens always has it under his belt that like he beat the Adrian Neville. Yeah. 
And I think that there would be a temptation to soft pedal that, but it really was like, it was wonderful to see like one last time Neville do all the things he's capable of. I'm going to cry because I'm like, oh man, now I'm like, oh man, I watched his last, oh, It's, oh my God. One of the things I'm considering for a bonus episode is Nightfall, which is always my go-to for like, this is how you do like the limit of a character. And Mm -hmm. This is what you do. This is like what Cactus Jack did with Triple H. If you are a not just a professional, but like a storyteller. Yeah. Go out there and do all your best shit. And then somebody beats you like at the top of your game. Mm. Because you take everything that you have that's of value and you bestow it on them. And it makes you look good. It makes them look good. It entertains the audience. It's the perfect goodbye. So much better than going out there half ass like, okay, like I got to lose this match so like you don't get the good shit. Yeah. Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear? Corey Graves basically asked like, what condition is Adrian Neville in after his match with Finn Balor? Like, you know, is he going to be able to make it? He can't be 100%. And Jason Albert says, you got to figure revenge can fuel the body. <laughs> but he says it like he's a doctor. Like he, this is just something that he's like, well, I don't know how medicine works, but I'm pretty sure it's this. Like, what the? Like a barber back in whenever barbers were the ones who did like surgeries. Yeah, <laughs> this is that level of medical expertise. And I was tickled to hear Jason Albert say like, that's probably how humans work. Beautiful. Yeah. It's like how Kevin Owens always says he learned English from JR. Oh, wow. What a powerful way to do it. He, he tells a story about how like he just thought slobber knocker was a word that people used. Oh, wow. In the same way, I think Jason Albert, like a medical scholar who learned mm-hmm. everything he knows about the human body from pro wrestling. <laughs> like, yeah, listen, like based on the evidence, you got to figure revenge fuels the body. <laughs> <laughs> why else would they get back up exactly you push it to a certain point and the person's beaten down and then if you punch them one more time then they put their finger up and they go no 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 that's <laughs> that's medicine what did your Vulcaneers hear all right listen this is a thing that is going to sound mean and so i have to preface it okay thank you for doing that you do realize who you're podcasting with i love sasha banks so much yes she's phenomenal always entertaining to watch yes nothing is more important than the ability she has to like when she comes on screen you pay fucking attention yes i just watched her match actually for the iwgp wrestling championship just as good as always i watched her post-match promo fucking fantastic like everything about sasha banks is great and i love it when she fought bailey i think in the iron well spoilers for the future of the podcast Mm. When she fought Bailey in the future, I literally made a goddamn cake about it. <laughs> Was it a special cake or just a celebratory cake? Like, did this cake have a name? Did you? Bob, it was a Boston cream pie. Of course. It of had sparkly lettering that said boss on it. And I did write alternate lyrics to her theme song about the cake. This obviously well before you had a child <laughs> that you had this kind of cake time. It was a different, I mean, I saw the prospect of a future where I wouldn't have time for this. Listen, Bob, I had a dream I didn't make it, but I love Sasha Banks. How, wait, I got to ask her, how did this cake taste? 
was very good. It was good. It was a pay-per-view. It's like special. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like victory or something. Event. Okay. No, it was it was great. But yeah, damn, I forgot that I made a whole Boston cream pie. I didn't even. I, it was all as part of the event. I've never thought of it as a separate <laughs> thing that I did that I made a really good Boston cream pie. Yeah, they're a bitch to make. You really committed. Anyway. All that said, Sasha's talking in this episode and she says especially, but she pronounces it kind of like especially. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly realized who Sasha Banks reminds me of. Oh, yes. Are you familiar with <laughs> the YouTube channel Miranda Sings? No, I don't frequent YouTube. OK, well, you're better than me, but it's like you don't need to brag about it. The Miranda character, this is like, I cannot say this in a way where it is not such a burn. It's just there is a certain kinship Mm -hmm. to the heel character of Sasha Banks and the character of Miranda from Miranda Sings. That's all. Those who know, like, you know, and you see it probably like the lipstick, too. Like, it's not Mm -hmm. no shade on Sasha Banks makeup. I'm just saying there's a certain kinship between these characters. And it's fine. Sasha Banks is playing heel right now. It's great. (laughs) That's all I have to say. I am not going to look this up because I know that I'm going to go, Chris, I can't believe you would say this. So (laughs) to spare us all, I'm just going to assume this is a super nice thing you've said. All right. Nobody correct me. Thanks. You're a bro. Bob, what did your human heart feel during this episode? Hot boys fighting about Sammy. Mm. Mm, Yeah, fight about him. Fight about that boy. Yeah, (laughs) Noah's very hot. Chris, what did your human heart feel? In a similar vein, but not related to Sami Zayn. I think it's just because they're a bad promo at this point. But like, what the fuck exactly did Blurfy want from Carmella? Like, it's Unclear. so weird. It's like if you've ever heard an old Motown song where it's like a full five dudes singing, like wooing the same woman. It's like, what do you want mm-hmm. her to do about this? <laughs> In the same way. You got Carmella, who is like nothing but disgusted with Enzo and has no on-screen chemistry with Kaz. And here are these two guys, Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy, who don't seem like they should exist in the same universe, let alone the same tag team. They're like, hey, baby, why don't you come over here? Like, whatever you're doing for those two, do it for us. And it's like, Mm. she's doing nothing for them. What do you think is going to happen? Are you two going (laughs) to... Are you two going to try to fuck Carmella at the same time or like are you? (laughs) Yeah, it's weird that you're so horny about this because like it would be one thing if you thought that she was contributing something on a wrestling level, but it's not that what I don't know what I'm supposed to feel from their promo. Well, I mean, buddy, sexism is always kind of (laughs) weird. It's just, you know, I had that thought I had like, is this just is this catcalling? Is this just that? Is this just like, hey, you're hot over there? I think so. Because they're playing it as though this is like an entreaty, as though this is like a job Oh, no. I mean, and cat, this is, you know, serious cat calling. This is cat calling. They mean it, but they haven't thought it through. Oh, yeah. As all cat callers have not thought it through. Right. Like, this is Wiley Coyote catcalling, where it's like, if they ever get you, then it's Don't, like, oh, you, what you the fuck? You keep his fucking name out of your goddamn mouth. Oh, fuck you, Bob. I, listen, I'm editing the, the Bad Choices episode. Yeah. I. <laughs> we can keep that shit over on the Hard Choices feed. People here don't want to hear our disagreements about Wiley Coyote. Okay, fine. This is a nice podcast. We're almost done with this episode of NXT. But before we move on, it is time to award our Lawrence Bolivier Awards for commitment to the bit. 
Bob, who gets your Lawrence Bolivier Award this episode? I feel so fucking stupid now. I feel so dumb. I wrote Neville for that dramatic head turn. I'm sorry it was that good. <laughs> it's what I will remember on this the episode that is for me in the run of this podcast his final i mean it's the right choice it should go to adrian neville i feel yeah. but i feel dumb for having done it for the editor now but you know what i stand by it if you saw it you'd know also if you watch good witch you would know although it's a little bit much for good witch good witch would never do anything quite that definitive this is why we watch pro wrestling because good witch would never no that's why you watch good witch because good witch would never anything <laughs> i fully commend this choice i i think that you're gonna see a number of wrestlers leave here like we're entering mm -hmm. that stage of nxt we have like an overstuffed roster of people who need to be out there making money for the company it is very interesting to watch the way that people act on their way out and the way that people act in not just like defeat in matches, but also because keep in mind, like we're watching the story of Adrian Neville. We're watching the story of a man who the championship meant everything to him. Yeah. And he had a whole arc with Sammy about like, I am the best because you won't go there. And then Sammy went there. Yeah. And the discomfort, the fear almost of being second best and trying to work through that and keep himself in check and keep playing the game he knows how to play, knowing that he'll get back to the top and then coming up short and like not just short, but like losing clean to Kevin Owens. Mm. And now he's gone. It would be so easy to get wrapped up in your ego as a performer and not let the audience in on all the little things here at the end because you know you're going to lose right like you know you're you're yeah. out you're going to the main roster you don't need to come back to full sale so you don't need to give these people access the fact that neville does it it really is a testament to him as a performer now i'm very curious who you gave your lawrence bolivier award to not a wrestler <gasps> i'm giving my lawrence bolivier award to the guy in the crowd <gasps> who yelled at cj parker cut your hair hippie <laughs> this motherfucker out here not drawing a paycheck from wwe just like on a volunteer basis i would like to call cj parker a hippie let me contribute to the product Aww. i'll buy into this gimmick that's very generous of you it's very generous of him you're right he's you're right. adding to the product like here i am years later listening to this and it's like here's a guy saying something no one would ever say no one who would be in this crowd right yeah but you're doing your best. You're putting it out there. You're being the audience that creative expects you to be. You're engaging the CJ Parker character on its own terms. Yelling, cut your hair, hippie. I can't help but think CJ Parker must have smiled at hearing that. Like, yeah, like it's working. Somebody out there is like buying this is mad at me for these dreadlocks. So beautiful. You did a great job, guy in the crowd. That is one more episode of NXT and one more step in Sami Zayn's journey behind us. Now it's time to see if Bob can, once again, for the second week in a row, predict the next big thing. So, Bob. Yes. This episode, we saw Solomon Crow, better known to indie fans as Sammy Callahan, Debut by punking out C.J. Parker while he tried to use police tape to accomplish something, I guess. 
So we are now eliminating the option indie wrestler debuts by beating the shit out of CJ Parker. Not to say it'll never happen again, but it's off your list. Your four options for the next big thing that will happen next episode, including the three carried over from last episode and the new one, are A. Kevin Owens gets so sick of Alex Riley's shit that he hucks him over the commentary table in a moment almost cathartic enough to be worth the feud that ensues. B. Just a handful of years removed from appearing in the main event of WrestleMania, a former main roster superstar returns to the ring in NXT where Kevin Owens calls them dumb and threatens to end their career. C. Hometown hero Dolph Ziggler makes a surprise appearance on NXT but unexpectedly sticks around for months and becomes a part of storylines rather than pulling a Curtis Axel and vanishing after he loses twice. Or D, Sami Zayn once again cuts a cell phone promo from Montreal where he is brooding over what he'll do to Kevin Owens as soon as he's mentally fit for an NXT return. I think they're going to build the Finn Balor, Kevin Owens thing more. I don't think that's where we're going just yet. But we have Rhino around. I could see Kevin Owens calling him stupid and threatening to end his career. Does sound like Kevin Owens. Yeah, seems like the kind of thing you do. Yeah, I'll find him going with that one. Okay. So your guess is B, a handful of years removed from appearing in the main event of WrestleMania, a former main Oh, roster. no, wait. Sorry, the main event part. Sorry. No, no, no. That's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to be in the main event of WrestleMania in the future. You're paying attention, and that makes me very happy. <laughs> All right, <laughs> fine. I guess it's going to be the cell phone promo. Okay, Sami Zayn once again cuts a cell phone promo from Montreal. He's brooding over what he'll do to Kevin Owens as soon as he's mentally fit for an NXT return. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we can't go that long without Sami. All right. Well, that is it for this episode. We've already talked about what listeners can hear this weekend on Patreon. They're finally going to get our long ago recorded Tables, Ladders, Chairs, and Stairs match <laughs> review commentary whatever Hard the fuck say. we did i was drunk you were literally i don't remember what it was but whatever it is <laughs> i recorded it it's going up this weekend bob do you have any other outro business to take care of you know what pet your pets extra yeah The NXT Wrestling Fan is produced by Lucas Brown, with logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for his theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io. We are on Twitter and Facebook at The NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Chris on Twitter at Megadumbcast and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Aww, your anxiety. Aww, anxiety bros. <laughs> hey, this is diligence. This is this what? is anxiety's handsome brother, diligence. Handsome brother. <laughs> oh my god. Ooh, diligence. Oh, so so dreamy. <laughs> the chiseled jaw of diligence. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> oh my fucking god. <laughs> Alright, quick. You have to cast Diligence. Who are you fucking casting? I mean, Ryan Gosling is the first person that comes to mind, but it's not him. Diligence is like more hard and more good than that in their manner, you know? Okay. Dave Batista. Wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I guess I'd fuck Diligence. Fine. Dave Batista in glasses is diligence. <gasps> okay, for sure. Oh, architect glasses. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, we'd all fuck diligence. Okay, fine. You won me over. All you had to do was say Dave Batista in glasses, and I would have left you alone. <laughs> because I can hear Neil listening to Mega Dumbcast right now in the living room. My brain was like, "Why are you in the living room? <laughs> You're supposed to be recording the podcast, Chris." <laughs> <laughs>